Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, and my guest today is a very funny comedian from Grand Rapids named Carl Sobel. Carl came on to talk about uh, one of the great uh, 90s action western films um, with a huge roster of amazing 90s um, masculine stars. Uh, and that movie is Tombstone. Uh, everybody's dad's favorite movie, Tombstone. And um, I rewatched it for the podcast. We both had a lot of fun talking about it. And Carl actually dropped some kind of amazing stories. One particularly amazing story uh, about a connection he has to this movie. So definitely stay tuned for that. And without any further ado, please enjoy this very manly episode of We Are Movies. You do you describe yourself as a movie person at all? Not, or? I wouldn't say so. Like I know way, like I know a lot of people that I would consider movie people, and sure. I don't think I'm at that level. I can hold a conversation <laughs> with them, but also a lot of times I'm just kind of like nodding my head, like yeah, I get that reference, but like that's about as far as it goes. Like I think yeah. I'm a little more than your like average person, but definitely not like. Like I would consider like you or like Alex Blokowski. Like I'm not like that <laughs> at all. Yeah. I have a sure. girlfriend. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, that's good. I only felt confident enough to be an open nerd about movies after I got a girlfriend. That's when I was like, Oh, I can, oh, okay. make, a, I can make a podcast now. You know? That's the was, secret. <laughs> that's the secret. Yeah. yeah. You gotta secure it first. Yep. Yeah. Secure the bag, then run. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, well, something I've collected from you is like out of the few movies you've picked, including the one you picked for this episode. Uh, plus, I've seen, uh, you know, you had a you had a reel uh, that you had posted where you referenced Top Gun Maverick, um, and then also I remember you mentioning Cool Hand Luke to me, yeah, as one of your favorites. So, is it fair to say in general, uh, you and I'm not saying this derogatorily at all, but you're attracted <laughs> to like guy movies. Uh, yes, for the most part, but I will say lately, uh, so my girlfriend, actually, she's been really getting me into, like, not as many guy movies, uh, more <laughs> of, like, just, like, really well put together movies to, like, where I'm appreciating movie, like, just cinematography and stuff. Yeah. So, like, she's really into age 24. So, like, we've just been going through a lot of their catalog and, like, one of my first, like, homework assignments when I met her was to watch, uh, <laughs> A ghost story and oh yeah pretty sure i say 24 the casey affleck one yes yeah. and like so like i've really been getting into like just watching kind of movies like that that are like, a little more obscure like and that's so i'm, I'm broadening my horizon but i'm always down <laughs> to just sit down and watch like top gun or like, yeah any no, kind I, of bro I, movie like i, 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 feel I enjoy that. the simple things <laughs> yes it's a simple pleasure it's it's in in a way i think it when you broaden your horizons it makes your tastes more legitimate like like you know i grew up loving guy movies you know and then oh yeah like once i you know kind of expanded and i watched like you know foreign movies and art films and stuff and i loved a lot of those movies i was like now i can say i love die hard and then still say i like all those other movies too but this is like you know i'm educated and i came back home and i still like this thing that i grew up with oh like, exactly yeah but i think some movies still i'm just like i don't get it this is stupid like yeah. I, I i regret watching it but yeah <laughs> yeah dude no i'm i'm an english teacher so i know all about like i know when i give a book or something to kids and i'm like for the record you're going to hate this like before they even start reading it i'm like i know this is not for you, but this is academic and we have to do it. You know, it's like yeah. eating your vegetables. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of funny. Like, I feel like, uh, like just bringing up that you're a teacher and stuff. Like, I remember the books they would make us read. And I feel like at the time I was just a teenager. And like, I don't think that the life lessons or like the messages you're trying to send what I could comprehend or really have the experience to understand. Yeah, And I really regret that. And I feel like some movies are like that too. Like maybe I watched a movie like 10 years ago and I was like, ah, oh, this is boring and lame. And then as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh shit, I'll rewatch it. I'm like, oh, 
I was missing all of this. I wasn't appreciating the suspense that's building. Like, so I think like yeah. as I've aged, my taste in movies and like literature, I guess, has definitely uh, matured or gone back and realized what I've missed. Yeah, it's all about the right time. And um, and I think that can work in both ways where like if I watched The Goonies for the first time today at 24 years old, I don't know if it would hit the same way it did when I was eight years old. You know, like it's it kind of just depends. <laughs> yeah, but I've never seen it, so I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I have <laughs> to see it. <laughs> yeah, see it. So, see if you still got that inner eight year old. Um, yeah. But speaking of movies you watch at the right time and totally stick with you. When did you first see Tombstone? How did this happen? Uh, it was my parents had just got gotten like a VHS player in surround sound. And it was one of, I think two VHS tapes they bought. It was yeah. tombstone and twister. Cause the guy at circuit city <laughs> said, this will really highlight your surround system. <laughs> so I was probably eight, maybe, maybe younger, but yeah. I just remember my dad threw it on and I was just like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Because I was like a little kid, loved action, loved war movies. So I was like, this is it. You know, yeah. so, yeah, that's how I came to see it. It's the perfect because I grew up watching so many Westerns like at my grandpa's house and stuff like on AMC and stuff like that. And, and I always loved like the iconography and stuff like that. But I remember growing up, I was always like, I, I wish they had more shooting in them. Like that was always like yeah. as a kid, it was always like, I like the hats. I like, you know, the style and everything, but then just being a little kid, I was like too much, like, you know, bull stances and like, yeah, what are you doing around these parts? And just more shooting. And then yeah, tombstone is this happy medium where it can make your grandpa happy. Cause it's got all of the wild West stuff that he loves. And then it can make a kid happy. Cause it's just like full of action and then it's also a movie like, you know, I watched this when I was young. I watched it again just the other day. And it's like, as an adult, there's still so much to love. There's like great dialogue and, you know, and oh and yeah, like set design and all of these things, you know? I mean, any character on their own can kind of carry the movie. I Like, at least the, like, for, like the Doc Holiday wider, like Ringo and Curly Bill. Like, I think either four of those could have been the, the main character and just carried yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's part of what makes it so great is it's like this amazing ensemble. It's, uh, it, you know, it's remembered as a Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer movie. Um, yeah. And I just want to read off a couple of the other names because the first time I watched it, I did not know all these people were in this movie. But I always oh, say it's you, insane. <laughs> I always say if you take this movie and you did a double feature with Con Air, you'll see every great like a male character actor from the 90s between yep. these two movies you've got sam elliott bill paxton powers booth michael bean charlton heston jason Priestley, john tenney stephen lang um who everybody knows is the old blind man from don't breathe uh thomas yeah. hayden church uh sandman himself um michael rooker billy bob thornton uh john corbett terry o'quinn like just an insane and then robert mitchum is the narrator like yeah uh, you forgot just did you say billy zane billy zane yeah i, I think i forgot billy <laughs> billy zane's in the movie dude <laughs> yeah and he's and great then, he adds a sensitivity to it yeah and I, who's the other dude uh Corey smith he's yeah. in a yellowstone oh yeah 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 uh I also forgot to mention Frank Stallone. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's and, second favorite Stallone is in the movie. Yeah. There's even a descendant uh, of Wyatt Earp in it. Yeah, Wyatt Earp the third. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's a, and I mean, this is a fascinating. I, I was trying to research and like figure out how this movie came about because at this point in time, Wyatt Earp had been portrayed on screen quite a few times. There's some older movies like gunfight at the okay corral or my darling clementine and like a lot of westerns had already adapted because he basically he's a real life guy he was a sheriff there was the famous gunfight at the okay corral you know he had his buddy doc holiday uh who was sort of a criminal who was buddies with white Earp, and there's all these legends he basically became a modern folk hero um and funny enough when this came out 
it came out, I think, six months before another Wyatt Earp movie, which was just called Wyatt Earp. But when this came out, I think at the time, up until Wyatt Earp came out, it was the most kind of accurate, complete, like, collection, recollection of his entire story, at least the whole story of Tombstone and the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral and then sort of the raid that happened after that. Was this yeah. anything you 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 were familiar with that have become familiar with over time? Uh like when I originally saw it, not at all. But like right. like in like the last like as I've gotten older, I was like I became like more into history and I looked up like kind of sort of researching Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday on my own and like yeah, it was that definitely this movie definitely rang true to his real story. But I wish there were movies that would cover him like near his death yeah when he was like kind of a disgrace because <laughs> like, he like rigged boxing matches and shit there that is something would be i got awesome. i can't i might be misquoting but yeah he ended up like throwing a fight or something and like he was like a referee he was like basically judge mills of his time <laughs> See, that'd be fascinating. Yeah, because every movie that's about him is, is still pretty much obsessed with the sort of the fair, the, the folk legend part of yeah. him and not the harsh reality of like how his life ended up, you know? So I think we just need Kurt Russell to do another Wyatt Earp movie. Yeah. No, he's perfect. He's he's still acting. He's still great. Yeah. I, I got to say, Kurt Russell is one of my guys. Like, oh, yeah. Like in terms of like a movie star where like I'll see anything he's in. I like fucking love Kurt Russell. Yeah. I mean, he was Jack Burton, Snape Plissken, Captain Ron, Wyatt Earp. I mean, he's in my favorite movie of all time. The thing. Uh, yep. He's fantastic in that movie. Yeah. Uh, even overboard. He's a fun comedic it's, actor. Yeah. Uh, just so much. And watching him in this, it's like kind of insane. And I know that he's brought, western elements to his other characters like snake plissken is kind of inspired by clint eastwood and like jack burton's kind of inspired by john wayne but it's like insane that he hasn't done many westerns at all because he's such a perfect western actor yeah you know i mean only i'm kind of thinking but only ones i can really think of are like bone tomahawk yeah hateful <laughs> eight yeah which are much later in his career yeah, yeah. and then he did the narration for Django, so i guess that kind of counts did he do narration? Oh, I think you're no, I think you're thinking of um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, narration also there. Django. Oh, okay. I'm 90% sure he also right. did Django. Maybe you're right. Um but but yeah, he, he's <laughs> uh he definitely deserves more. And I mean part of it is just like by the time th this movie came out in the 90s, this came out like 94, and the Western was like 93. So the Western yeah. was all but dead at that time, right? It mm -hmm. used to be an American institution. And at this point, it had kind of fallen off. And the Westerns you did get in the 90s were either something like, uh, you know, Unforgiven, which is sort of this revisionist, like old man looking back on the oh, glory yeah. days type of movie, or you'd get sort of like a Young Guns, you know, oh, which yeah. is like <laughs> the hip, you know, the hip take on the Western for the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and then this movie, which is, uh, by George P. Cosmatos, who had, uh, I think is most famous for doing Rambo First Blood Part Two. So, guy movie Hall of Famer. Uh, oh, yeah. This guy. And uh, you can just feel like he just brings that late 80s, early 90s viscerality to it, to the action scenes. Like, it's so high energy. It's so, like, everything's amped up. The violence is much more in your face, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm just glad he didn't have Bon Jovi do the soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Young Guns too. <laughs> like on the VHS tape, it had like on the cover, Young Guns Two soundtrack by Bon Jovi. Like that's fuck. so funny. <laughs> I love picturing somebody in the '90s going like, "Holy shit, Bon Jovi!" and then going to see the movie, <laughs> yeah, just because he did the soundtrack. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of things about Tombstone is very, like, classic Hollywood. Like, it does have a great score, like, this booming, like, heroic score. It just, like, it's one of those movies that's, like, corny but unabashedly corny. Yes. Like, it's – and I think we have a problem now with movies. And I don't want to just blame Marvel movies, but I think it's a huge part of it. But where movies are too afraid to be corny, like, they have to be sarcastic about it or they have to be winking. And it's like, no, look at Tombstone – it's so corny. It doesn't care. And it convinces you of it. By the end of it, you're into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I mean, just in the beginning when they're like, they get off the train and he's like, Hey, let's all stop and look in the mirror for a while. <laughs> yeah. Like I, to me, I'm like this. All right. This is perfect. It felt yeah. like I was watching a play in a little bit. Like they're overacting to like make it really come across. Like every scene felt like a stage piece. Like, yes, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the lines of dialogue you get are lines that are like, nobody in real life would say it, but it just, it's so cold and it works so well. Like one of the early scenes where, you know, you have Kurt Russell playing Doc Holliday. He shows up with his family in, in Tombstone, trying to put his life of crime fighting behind him and yep. uh, settle down, you know, classic situation. And uh, he has that part where he confronts uh, the guy who, uh, <laughs> the, the Billy Bob guy. Thornton. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Billy Bob Thornton, who is just like a total asshole in this <laughs> yep. bar. Uh, and uh, he, Kurt Russell just slaps him like three times across the face. And then he goes, um, uh, and, and he's like trying to get him to pull his gun on him. And he just goes, you going to do something or just stand there and bleed? And it's just... That line just goes so hard. It's yeah, so, it's so perfect. it's perfect. This this movie is full of like just those badass one liners. Yeah, I mean he he got he's got that one like the tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. But then like yes, like Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday. He's got like just anytime he says I'm your Huckleberry, you're Daisy. Yeah. If you do any one of those, is just yeah, you can just use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, the uh, the one where he says, uh, uh, "You look like someone just walked over your grave," or something yeah. like, like. Uh, but something about the hell's coming with me line, and I think this is a when people talk about like good action one liners, there's good versions and there's bad versions. There's ones that don't feel earned or they feel thrown in because you want to be Schwarzenegger or whatever. Uh, but there's like in this movie. It, it by the time he says hell's coming with me and it's such a corny line you're so wrapped up in his story because he lost his brother he's been pushed to the brink you know yeah. that that rage you feel it and it's also cleverly set up at the beginning of the movie there's the scene where we're introduced to the cowboys which are the villains uh which is a great group of actors uh and uh michael bean is sort of the main bad guy uh mm -hmm. And uh, he has this little monologue where he, the camera just slowly dollies in on him after they murdered this priest. And they're asking what the priest says. And he's like, oh, he's referencing the Bible, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And he's yep. like, and then, you know, one came forward and, and hell followed behind him. And it's like, it's just like a thing that he says. And then it yeah. finally pays off much later when Wyatt Earp says that line. It's so beautifully written. Like, oh, yeah. It's perfect. Well, just the fact that the movie opens up with a wedding getting slaughtered like yeah. that's that's just cool that's just a bold yeah. move <laughs> yeah we gotta hate our bad guys you know yeah like, and it's even kind of hard with some of them like in this movie like yeah they're definitely pieces of shit in that part of the movie but like they're all just so cool <laughs> yeah yeah well the, like i said they're all played by these likable actors there's uh powers booth is curly bill uh like michael bean is johnny ringo like he's johnny ringo is essentially the evil doc holiday like exactly. that, they're they're perfect foils for each other. They have similar mustaches, similar looks, the debonair, you know, kind of vibe to them. He's just on the other side of the of morality, you know. Yeah, and, and so, Doc Holliday's barely on the other side. Barely, he's a perfect anti-hero. Like as soon as you meet him in the movie, he beats he the stabs guy in Frank poker, Stallone. stabs him. Yeah, yeah. stabs Frank Stallone, robs the fucking bar, and yeah. then rides off. Like yeah, that's his intro. Right. So automatically, but then that's also what makes him the perfect complement to uh, Wyatt Earp, where I think one thing that makes this a great story, too, is that it's not just about Wyatt Earp going back to fighting the law. It's about him kind of becoming as bad as the guys that he's fighting in a way where and part of that is the devil on his shoulder sort of in a good way is Doc Holliday, who is his friend, who's always been on the other side of the law. And at the end of it. He kind of has just become a vigilante and just yeah. slaughter people, slaughter the bad guys, which is something he's never done before. And so it, it is like that adds a morally gray aspect to the movie, which even though once they're killing the bad guys, you're you're fist pumping and you're cheering. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's even the want. corny ways when they're like riding on the horse and he like leans under the horse's neck to like shoot yes. under the horse. Like there's <laughs> no reason for that. It's so sick. <laughs> but I'm glad they did it. They knew it would look cool. That's all it is. Yeah.
exactly we need more directors that are just willing to say this would look cool and then just doing it exactly that's the only reason you know i think we as audience members we accept things we accept when something's done just because it looks cool and sometimes the the cancer of realism just like ruins movies sometimes where it's like that's not realism can be work in certain cases and so in cases in this movie they do commit to realism and it's gruesome like i think about you know bill paxton's character morgan when he's shot in the back um and they're just on the poker table trying to pull the bullet out and it and they're making a bite down on a rag it's very time accurate and it's just like brutal and it's you know horrible to sit through and that but then that emotionally sets us up to cheer for the you know it's perfect manipulation (laughs) oh yeah i mean there's like a lot of historical accuracy and like kind of little nods to uh other stuff like there's uh i just love the beginning when you first meet like wyatt and his brothers and like they're introduced to the wives and like you immediately learn that wyatt's wife is like addicted to basically heroin yeah like she's a junkie and then as they're walking away, they're like, where do you think he got his wife? And like, probably same way we got ours, like as hookers. Like, yeah, that's just <laughs> like, all right, that's awesome. But then there's also like the gunfight at the, when they had the OK Corral, like there's the they run on the uh, actress, like taking that like nude photo. And that's a callback to an actual photo that was like pretty notorious. I don't have the I don't have the name of it right on hand, but it's like that was like one of the first risque photos ever taken. And they yeah. just kind of did a little nod to that, which is pretty cool, I think. It is really cool. A lot of the stuff is like, besides the fact that they tried to include everything that's kind of part of the legend, like the stabbing in the the po- with the poker game with Frank Sloan yeah. is sort of a legend that exists of uh, Doc Holliday. But um, also, one thing I read was every mustache in the movie i think with the exception of michael bean's mustache every other mustache is a real mustache that the actors grew um and this is that might not sound impressive me just saying it but if you look at the mustaches in this movie it's one of the greatest mustache movies of all time oh if not the greatest like without a doubt yeah the the grooming is is just incredible you know you look at these guys you're like oh man i didn't know they had it in them <laughs> Yeah, no, I was like, I that's why I know I'll never be a man because I will never have a wider <laughs> like that's yeah. just impressive. I've struggled with that too. And, and Kurt Russell in general has always been the king of facial hair in movies. Oh, you know, yeah. Whenever he has a beard, he just rocks it. Yep. Um I do want to talk a bit more about Val Kilmer because I think this is the movie that point people point to when they talk about how Val Kilmer is actually a great actor. Um because you know he was He's always, I think he nowadays is kind of known as one of those guys that never really got his huge shot to show how talented he was because he was like, he kind of became a pretty boy and got roles like in Top Gun and um, Batman Forever and stuff like that. And even in his, he had a documentary come out recently called Val and in it, he kind of talks about his disappointment early on about how he wasn't really getting the meaty roles that he wanted. And then you see him in this movie and it's like, he takes the movie and runs away with it like yeah you know you talked about the lines he's given but then just like also the way he sells the lines and they roll off his tongue oh you know i mean the whole latin scene when him and ringo are going back and forth yeah like yeah like he's like have you seen like the translation for that no i haven't oh that the translation to like him and ringo going back and forth is amazing because basically, like, Ring, uh, Doc is saying that he doesn't like Ringo, like, he hates him. And then uh, Doc's wife goes, oh, don't mind him, he's drunk. And then yeah. Doc, in Latin, goes, when I'm drunk, I speak my mind. And then Ringo <laughs> comes back in Latin and is like, be careful what you say, it'll end you up in the grave. And then he, like, taps his gun, and then Ringo, or Doc, just comes back with, like, another one, like, you'll see him find out. And it's yeah. just like, and how tense it is with those two and everyone around just like staring, like what the hell is going on? Not even <laughs> yeah. knowing that they're about to shoot each other. If the wrong thing is happening. And, yeah. And the way that doc just like Val Kilmer just throws it away and just nails that whole scene. Yeah, dude, he's, he, he does something where he 
brings a coolness to vulnerability because his character is so mm-hmm. vulnerable. He's he's dying of tuberculosis and he's coughing and he looks bad. He looks sick the whole time, but still manages to have the, to show so much confidence through that. And you buy the confidence. Yeah. You're like, if I was sitting here in the bar with this guy, I would think, yes, that's a dying man, but also he's the coolest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. Like he he rules at dying. <laughs> yeah, like between him playing poker for 30 hours straight, yeah. like hey, or like when he's just playing the piano drunk and getting gets into the like back and forth with Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. And he's like then like a little bit after that, a gunfight like is about to break out, and he comes out just drunk as hell. And he's yeah. and then that he's got that perfect line of like, you're too drunk, you're probably seeing double. And he's like, Well, I got two guns. One for I each of you. Two like, guns, one for each of you. Yes. Yeah. The dude's dead. <laughs> like he's basically just a walking corpse and he's still the scariest person in that whole posse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's just like uh he he has that, yeah, that really cool quality where he's cool through the sickness. Um, and he also sells the sickness. He sells that he's a dying man. And that kind of one of the things I really like about the movie in terms of how it frames the actual historical events is like, we know Doc Holliday was friends with White Earp. We know he joined in on the gunfight at the OK Corral and all this stuff. By adding in, by and we also know that he was dying of tuberculosis. So the movie takes these elements and says, it kind of gives it this thematic resonance where it's like, oh, he's dying. And that's part of his motivation. That's why he takes part in this. Because it's like, he wants to go out on one last good fight, you know? Oh, exactly. And that adds so much weight to it, too. Yeah, and then just how, like, when he, like, at the end, he's, like, in the hospital, and, like, he's just, like, he's got the book that says, Do- My Friend Doc Holiday," and it's, like, yeah, he kind of, like, accepts that he, like, became, like, maybe not a hero, but, like, a, a good guy and, like... A legend. Really, yeah, and he really, like, kind of tells Wyatt, like, get out of here, let me die, like on my own like i don't know if it's so he could just be like not be seen as even more frail than he was but right and his final line is great too it's funny when he because he's he's barefoot and he had i think quipped earlier in the movie that he was gonna die with his shoes on and exactly looks down and goes isn't that funny and then he dies (laughs) perfect he even has a sense of humor about it oh yeah up till his bitter end like i I think his this Doc Holliday is hands down one of the coolest movie characters in all of like cinema. Like he's yeah. just up there. Yeah, yeah. No, he's legendary. And he honestly, like, I don't see this movie being quite what it was if it wasn't for his performance. You know, like there's so much that's great about it, but I don't know if it would have like stood the test of time and became such an important movie for all of our dads, <laughs> you know, oh, if it yeah. wasn't that. It, it'd be like taking Joe Pesci out of Goodfellas. Like, yes. it just wouldn't make sense. Yes. That's the, the perfect way to put it. Uh, I wanted to talk about the, um, um, the sort of, um, I guess the, the introduction of the traveling performers, which is yeah. how we meet, uh, how we meet, I think, is is it Josephine who ends up with uh, Wyatt? Um, yes. Yeah, Josephine, who's played by Dana Delaney. Uh, she is uh, basically, um, she's traveling with this, you know, these traveling performers. Her Billy Zane is one of her partners, one of her fellow performers. Uh, I love the another bit of just like perfect movie dialogue is when she gets off the stagecoach and she's just immediate love at first sight. She and Wyatt Earp lock eyes. And yeah. then uh, and then Billy Zane starts narrating it and he just goes like, he describes the look of Wyatt Earp and he says, he's got the look of both predator and prey. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. And she's like, I want one. Yeah. <laughs> she like, goes, happy I want hunting. <laughs> Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. And then uh, and Billy Zane is one of those. I, I, I feel like especially with his death scene when she says like, oh, he was different from you and he was happy. Um, there's definitely something about him that I think is supposed to be kind of gay coded a little bit. 100%. Like, you know, because obviously he's a theater guy, but he's a little more effeminate. And then 
when he's killed, it almost feels like it's coded sort of through her dialogue as though it was kind of a hate crime a little bit. Yeah. Too. Um, but he adds a much needed alleviation of all the masculinity, like all the classic toxic masculinity that's in the yep. movie. You need a, you need a, you know, a counterbalance to that. Oh yeah. And then he was still badass, like during the play when he like gets shot at. Yeah. He just like brushes his shoulder off and keeps going. And, like, I wrote down silences the room. I wrote down the the moment I really hated with the with the the moment I really started to hate the Cowboys is when they were just brutally heckling the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just shooting holes in the seat in the ceiling. <laughs> that's the moment they they murdered an entire wedding party. I was like, that's pretty bad. Once they heckled a show, yeah. I was like, fuck these guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They were probably running the light, so he wanted to get him off stage. <laughs> that's, that's their light back then, was firing yeah. guns. That was, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, dude, I uh, I like I like her as a character, too. She's uh, She is the sort of strong, you know, character who knows what she wants, and she goes after it. I love the scene where she and Wyatt meet on their horses, and they have this, like, super horny back and forth where they're talking about the horses and he's like well it's in season like apply implying that it's the, the horses <laughs> want to mate you know it's yeah it's so great it's it's you know perfect movie it feels like a classic like 1950s movie where characters are supposed to talk about sex but you couldn't get past the censors you know right. like that that type of thing yeah it definitely seemed to dive into that old school like filmmaking here and there which yeah i appreciated yeah. Speaking of the filmmaking, there were a couple parts I pointed out, like when uh, uh, the scene when I think it's Ike Clanton, Ike Clanton, who's the, uh, or maybe it wasn't Ike Clanton, it might have been um, Curly Bill, but one of them like gets out of the opium den and he's the Curly one who Bill. shoots. Curly Bill. Yeah. yeah. Powers Booth. He gets out of the opium den and he starts shooting up in the street and it's such a beautifully lit moment like it starts off with him just getting out of the opium den and it's like the lighting is like it feels like a dario argento like an italian like like kind of expressionistic scene and then he's just like i feel good and then like we we just like crane up like as he's just walking out of the street shooting and it goes from this closer shot to this huge wide shot of the street yeah. it's like it's weird. It's like, I don't know. It's so simple in retrospect, but you think about movies now and how we just never do that because we never shoot mm -hmm. in real locations. So it would just be like a close up and a close up and then a CGI background, you know? And yeah, uh, it's like something we took for granted, but it looks so good in an old oh, movie. Definitely. That's what I liked about this. Like, cause like, I mean, the movie's called Tombstone. So like, but the town itself is just like such, like, obviously a prominent part of it. Like, it's, yes. it's just so, um, like, I just, I seem to notice new things about the town every time I watch it, I guess. The town feels like hell a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, another quip from Doc Holiday when the guys come out of the, they're talking to like the marshal and the mayor and then the guys come out of the bar and start shooting at, they just, one of them shoots another guy dead and yeah. Doc Holiday's just like, yes, very cosmopolitan. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> like he knows where he's at. He's at a town called Tombstone. Like, yeah. That's not. It's like. <laughs> It's like Hell's Kitchen, New York, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. but I did actually, so like, I'm kind of like a history, like, I, I love like kind of this small little history, like, shit. And like in the beginning of the movie, when they first enter Tombstone, they show that, like, there's actual tombstone of like a guy that was murdered. And it's an actual yeah. replica of one that's still there, like, to this day. Like, it's an actual oh, wow. person that was murdered there. And his murderer is like two bodies down because they killed him, too. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> It's such a cool place. Like, I don't know. I'm so obsessed with the wild, the quote unquote wild west, you know, like the, the way that like you have the character who shoots another guy for saying that he cheated at a yeah. game. Like, it was a and fair fight. Like, it was a fair fight. He said, I cheated. <laughs> and everyone's like, all right. <laughs> you know, like, we, we need your guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just got to detain you for a minute. Sorry. Like, it's yep. kind of, you literally saw him shoot a man dead. And there's just, a, all right, we got, you know, we got to go through the, you know, technicalities of this. Yeah, you'll get these back. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry, buddy. You're, you'll be fine. It was clearly a fair fight. And look, the guy said you cheated. Like, what? Yeah. 
What do you think was going to happen? Obviously, he needed to be shot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You can't be calling people cheaters. No, no, it's like committing suicide. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, a guy accused Doc of cheating, and he stabbed him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, So it's legal. So as a history buff, what else sticks out to you in this movie? Uh, Well, there was just like small little things that they threw in. Like I mentioned before, like the photo, but then like the shootout at the uh, OK Corral, like there's the line that like Doc says, it's just badass where he's like, you'll be a daisy if you do when the guy's like going to shoot him. And like, and that's like historically accurate. Like that really happened. That was That's incredible. Yeah. And it's such a movie line too. Oh yeah. Like, (laughs) That makes me think like Doc Holliday was probably <laughs> pretty accurate to that. It's like, who's going to be in a gunfight and be like, this would be a cool line. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's weird. But yeah. Practicing <laughs> you know, in the mirror. Like, oh, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say you'd be a daisy if you do. It'll be pretty, th- that'll go pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like someday One there'll day. be a guy that'll play Iceman. <laughs> and we'll also <laughs> say this. <laughs> yeah. But and then like, there's the, uh, like at the train station, like when he like uh, tells them like that hell's coming with him. Like there's an actual statue now because like that really happened. Like that whole show, like shootout at the train yard. Yeah. Like they have a statue of Wyatt Earp there, like in memoriam of all of that, which I think is just kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's I mean the you you understand why so many movies have been made about Wyatt Earp because the way that the majority of Westerns as we know and love them are sort of like myth-making, you know, it is Mm -hmm. sort of creating, it's creating a history that didn't exactly happen most of the time, but the case of Wyatt Earp and the gun and the gunfight at the OK Corral, that's one of those stories that like is one of the rare examples of a, basically something that did play out just as you would see it in a Western, you know? Yeah. Like the majority of shootings happen with like a guy getting drunk in a saloon, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. like, this is a classic good guys versus bad guys shootout and the good guys won, which practically never happens, you know? Uh, and, and something I love about, I, I mean, before this movie, the gunfight at the OK Corral had always been portrayed as the climax of every Wyatt Earp movie. In this case of this movie, it was sort of the centerpiece. It's kind of what brings us from act two to act three. Um, but that uh, one of the things I love about it that I think is very accurate too is the way it's very close, you know, I, I, there's some older movies like my darling Clementine, they play it out. Like it's happening all throughout this like little compound and people are sneaking around, but it's really like guys on opposite sides, very close shooting and just mm-hmm. missing each other a lot. You know, a lot of the shots are just missing yeah. until everyone gets hit. The one thing that wasn't accurate was the wink that doc does to start it all off. That was improvised mm. by Val Kilmer. The wink. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Where they're like, oh shit. Oh, we it was gonna be peaceful, but he winked. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) That is a great improvisation. Uh oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure nobody was there. Nobody who would have seen him winked would have been able to report it later anyway. So we don't know. No, they were dead. (laughs) (laughs) I do love I love Kurt Russell's like right before the shooting starts, and he was like, Oh my god. Just like just like that, like, oh god, here it's it's gonna happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's because you can like because like Wyatt like up until I guess after his brother's killed, he doesn't want to be a part of any of this. Like, right? He's like almost like he's like blatantly rude about it to people. Like at the theater, at the theater when he gets like introduced to the local sheriff or something, and he's like absolutely not, and just turns away immediately <laughs> yeah. before even introducing himself. Like, yeah. So it's all the way up until then. Like they're like, nope, I don't want to be a part of this. You don't want to kill a person; it'll change you. And then it happens, changes them, and he's like, I told you so. And the well, brothers die, and the wives are yelling at Wyatt like it's his fault. Yeah, well, that's an interesting dynamic is that Wyatt never really accepts being a lawman. He just accepts being an Avenger by the end of it. Where, you know, Sam Elliott's character, his brother, um, Virgil, he's the one who, and I love there's the great little moment when, you know, the last uh shootout had happened and uh it was before the gunfight at the okay corral but virgil has this moment where he saves a little kid and then he hands the kid to their mother and then he just kind of looks at the mother and it's that moment of realizing like people are in danger like regular good people and then he just like tips his hat 
and then in the next scene he's become the new marshal after uh the original marshal got killed by curly bill you know and and so he's the one who wants to be a lawman he's the one who you know sees the injustices and wants to fix them it's not until he gets wounded and has to lose his arm and then bill paxton morgan Earp gets killed that for wyatt it just becomes personal it's like i have a score to settle you know yeah and what's doc say he's not looking for revenge he's looking for a reckoning yes <laughs> that's a great that's that's he's... a cold line <laughs> oh yeah. yeah like where's your friend wyatt oh he's over there just walking on water <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the like, lines where they're just they're just outright describing him as a biblical force oh yeah i mean the whole scene where he just goes at when he kills curly bill just screaming yes. no with a double barrel oh, shotgun in the no. middle of just <laughs> yeah <laughs> just bullets going everywhere not yeah. one hits him <laughs> it's like and that's just right. an anomaly it's just an anomaly it's like it just happened you know yeah it, yeah it adds it sort of a there's a fantastical aspect to the movie because of that. That's like, maybe yep. he's the Messiah. We don't, yep. <laughs> we don't know. He's um, just lucky Ringo wasn't there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Cause I love that. He had finally admits like, I can't beat Ringo. And like, he needs Doc Holliday at the end. Yeah. But in that no scene, it is one of the most memorable, like it, it's so corny, but it's like, you're so into it. And yeah, just the, literally the only word he says, he just keeps going, no, yeah, no, <laughs> just walks across water and murders all the bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> he just finally breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just something goes off in his head. Um, I, I think that the movie struggles with and I think kind of overcomes the fact that, you know, the gunfight of the OK Corral happens near the middle and then we get when everything kind of goes to shit and uh, Morgan gets or Wyatt or uh, Virgil gets wounded and Morgan gets killed. There's this great like Gothic imagery. Like there's lightning outside. It's raining. Um, The scene, if you want like, like a great, you know, sort of over the top dramatic scene right after uh, Morgan dies. And uh, after, um, right after Wyatt tried to help him and he's like, his hands are covered in his blood. Yeah. He's just holding up his hands, backing up, walking out into the rain. And there's just that like, get away from me. Just screaming up into the sky. It's like the movie goes 110% in every moment. And it just, I think it's like in a case like this, where when you're consistent with it, when it doesn't feel like you're betraying the previous tone, it feels right. Like it feels since the whole movie's consistent that way, it feels right for the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they can go like super over the top and that way they can have those like super cold moments. Like yeah. like right after that when they're like, All right, we're leaving and like they're like kinda of going away and then Ringo, like they stop in front of Curly Bill and Ringo to be like, We're leaving, it's over, we surrender. And Ringo like just has to say, like, smells like someone died. Like yeah. just throws it right at him and it's like I think if you didn't have like that, like the other side of just like overabundance, like overacting, like just screaming at the sky, you couldn't have that, like those like subtle jabs, like it right. has to balance out. The just the the movie has everything you want in a tough, tough guy movie where there is plenty of action, there's plenty of over the top drama, there's a romance story, uh, there's a bromance. Uh, and then there is just great shit talking like yeah yeah like that that line smells like somebody died it's so brutal and shitty <laughs> like you know <laughs> you know like this might be dumb but like i feel like tombstone is kind of in that uh genre of like maybe too fast too furious where like <laughs> they kind of went like because the first fast and furious like they're trying to be like you know realistic for the most part yeah, and then now they're like you know in space, but I think around two and three they're like <laughs> a little far out, but like still grounded. And I feel like yeah. top, <laughs> Tombstone is right there, like it's still grounded, but it definitely goes over the top in the best ways. Yes, and also like Too Fast, Too Furious. This movie, the the heart <laughs> of the movie is two men and their beautiful yes. relationship. <laughs> It's yeah. it's it, it's Wyatt Earp and, and Doc Holliday. Like that could be the dad pen talking to though. <laughs> that could be <laughs> or the opium. I don't know. I'm I'm doing it for character. 
<laughs> you're like Curlyville. You're the Curlyville. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, I mean, the way that it, they kind of gradually become a team where early on it's Wyatt and his family. And then, you know, Doc Holliday just with his seductive, you know, smooth attitude, he works his way back into Wyatt's heart. And like the oh, fact yeah. that after the gunfight at the OK Corral, the other two guys are wounded and uh, Wyatt and Doc just like walk off side by side through the crowd, mm-hmm. just like this badass, like, yep, that happened. And now we're walking away. And that's kind of the moment that solidifies like, oh, these are our, these are our two guys. This is the main focus. Yeah. Because like the sheriff's like, we got to arrest you both. And then Wyatt's like, no, you're not arresting us. Like, <laughs> yeah, just walks yeah. away. Like, yeah. I love damn. that so much. Yeah. Like, uh, literally, literally every scene in this movie, you can just be like, oh, that was cool. Like from the beginning to the end. Like, I don't think there's any like filler. Yeah, it's constant. That was cool. Yeah, there's no filler. There's no boring dialogue. Like there's no, there's no part where the movie feels like it's just trying to pass the time and get to the next thing. It feels like it's really reveling in every aspect of it. Like even when, you know, when I was watching this as a kid, I wasn't even bored by like the romantic stuff, which usually would bore a young boy, you know, but (coughs) excuse me. The romantic dialogue is like so snappy and clever and cool that even then you're just very entertained and you're like, you're you're rooting for Wyatt, you know, even though it's like if there's any problematic aspect of this movie that kind of bugs me, it's the way like this movie <laughs> kind of it sort of hates his drug addict wife. Like, yeah. Even like, at the end of the movie, it's like Maddie died of a drug overdose two years later. <laughs> yeah, that part's troubling to me. And and I gotta say, <clears throat> that's the only part of the movie that doesn't quite sit well with me is um Robert Mitchum's narration comes back in at the end and it's a happy ending and he's describing like you know yeah Wyatt and uh like uh, Wyatt and Josephine got married and uh you know all of this happened and uh uh Virgil became a you know became another he became a sheriff with only one arm um and then he just mentions Maddie died of a drug overdose (laughs) Like shortly after leaving Tombstone, as if that's one of the happy things that happened. I was like, "Oh no, God, that's awful!" <laughs> like, yeah. But, but then before I'm done thinking about that, it ends on that great line where he says, uh, "You know that uh, he died in like 1923, and uh, among the pallbearers were you know these Western stars, and Tom Mix wept." And that's the final line, yeah. which is such a great, <laughs> such a great moment. And it also tells you like how recent, like the fact that Wyatt Earp lived until the 20th century and even got to see some movies made about the times that he was living in, you know? Yeah. No, that's definitely, like, it's just always amazing we can hear about, like, that. Like, we're, like, yeah, a movie is made about a historical figure, and, like, even sometimes they'll be in the movie. So, yeah. like, I just kind of love that. Like, in the right stuff. Like, I don't, it's, like, yeah. the right stuff about Chuck Yeager and all that. Like, Chuck Yeager plays a bartender in the movie. So, it's, like, yes. just kind of cool shit like that. I love that. I love, and, and they found a way to get Wyatt Earp the third in this movie. Uh, yeah. Cool. Oh, and um, then Kurt Russell named his son after Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Yeah, Wyatt Russell. Yeah, he's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, he he named he could have named him Snake, but he named him Wyatt. Yep. <laughs> he's gonna have another kid named uh, Snake Burton Russell. Snake Burton Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Goldie's just hoping for a daughter so she can name it after. Uh, name her after a character from like the 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 sitter or something or the house sitter uh yeah katie holmes is gonna pretend you didn't say that (laughs) yeah wait was katie holmes wait wasn't that goldie hawn's daughter no no goldie hawn's daughter is uh kate hudson yeah i forgot about that my bad i forgot that the first name right (laughs) kate hudson though is not kurt russell's daughter oh Uh, yeah She's the daughter of, I think, Oliver Hudson or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, who was the, her first husband? Right. Uh, but anyway, I could. This could be a curtain Goldie podcast forever. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, one uh, another line I want to mention because we talked about Sam Elliott, who is one of the quintessential tough guy character actors, especially in westerns. Like that's a guy who does not belong today. Like that's no. the guy who was accidentally created in the 20th century. Yeah. 
like even if, I think if you put him back in the Wild West, they would be like, "Damn, this guy's <laughs> a cowboy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like that, you know, that perfect, like that, you know, he's he's got that drawl, that natural drawl, and that's just like how he talks. And then, like the, one of the most famous mustaches in the industry, like his mustache mm-hmm. in this movie, that's just the one he always has—that credible yeah. handlebar mustache. They um, actually wrote the movie for his mustache. <laughs> just built really? it around him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need a movie. We need mu- Sam Elliott. We need a mustache. Figure out the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, he's a great. He's one of my grandpa's favorites. You know, he's one of those guys that's just in, like so many westerns from the time. Because obviously, you know, why wouldn't he be? Uh. But uh, he has a great line too that always breaks my heart. And this, I think you might know this as a history guy. This was something he apparently actually said when he had gotten shot and they realized they had to remove his arm he says to his wife he's like it's all right honey i still got my other arm to hold you with and he hugs her yeah. with the other arm and it's just so sweet it's like oh my god like <laughs> and that's another thing that seems like too corny but that that's a real thing he actually yeah. said yep no i remember because i watched this last night and i was i had a couple of drinks and uh <laughs> to me i was like man this guy just got shot and like his priority is making sure his wife is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stop freaking out. My brother's about to get killed. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's he is the most virtuous good character in the movie. Yeah. Like truly. Where where whereas you know, Wyatt is he, he's got some gray areas. He's a lot he's a likable character, but he's got gray areas. And like you said, in real life kind of had a <laughs> kind of had a downfall uh yeah but but virgil is by at least in the story the most pure of heart person um and i think he handles that so well and then bill paxton on the other hand gives like such an innocence to the character of morgan oh yeah you know? he's like the little brother just wants yeah. to do what's right yeah which is you know unfortunately the perfect character to kill <laughs> yeah that's the guy you want to avenge you know yep the innocent the innocent little brother yeah um, so having first seen this movie when you were eight and then the most recent time being last night what are some things that have either grown on you or things that you've noticed that you didn't before things like that that maybe have made it stand the test of time for you oh i mean for me it's it was like I, when I first saw it, I always knew like I thought Wyatt was like the most badass in the whole movie. I was yeah. like when he like pull when he goes into his like room and he gets his pistol out because it's like he's like all right, it's time to become who I used to be again, and it kind of pans across his pistol. To me, that was like the epitome of cool. Like, yeah. and then as I've gotten older and watched it again, now I'm like, oh no, everything Doc Holliday has done in this movie is way cooler and just more <laughs> badass like yeah. it's just self-destructive but also confident at the same time and like i just kind of looked at like him like just the whole character of like when him and ringo first meet and like ringo does his like flourishing his pistol to like try to show off and doc is just sitting there like and then pulls out his cup and just keeps <laughs> spinning his cup like to me i'm like all right so that is kind of like that has grown into my definition of cool of yeah. like kind of not showing all your cards being the most badass and just kind of shitting on the tryhards. Like, so I guess <laughs> as I've grown, I've been like, that's what stood out to me. Plus like other shit, like, like I didn't realize Charlton Heston was in it when I was a kid. Yeah. He doesn't have a huge part, but he, no, it was I just guess, a cameo. Yeah. That's a real life guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Henry hooker. Yep. Yeah. So, and isn't Henry Hooker uh, from Young Guns? Isn't that one of the characters in Young Guns? He might the be ranch. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because he had a, he famously owned like this huge ranch, and yeah, he was friends with uh, Wyatt Earp, I guess, in real yeah. life. And that's you know he ended up giving him refuge there. Yeah. So what's funny is I was like recently when I rewatched it, like I mean I've watched this movie like two or three times a year. And uh, I was watching, I was like, fuck the Charlton Heston. And then, like, it dawned on me, I had actually met Charlton Heston when I was a kid. So I was Wait, like, what? Holy shit. Oh, dude. Were you at so, an NRA convention? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dude, God. You really worse. buried the lead here. Okay. Oh, I uh, went to a trap. I used to be really, my family was really into trap and skeet shooting, which is like clay pigeons. You shoot them 
And yeah. uh, we went to one in Ohio, one of the biggest trap shoots in so the nation. Around what year was this? Oh, uh, boy, it was I was probably 11, 10 or 11. So this was like probably not too long after Tombstone came out, honestly. Like, OK, it was so the 90s. Yeah, it was definitely the 90s. OK, because uh, like so basically I was at the trap shoot and they said he was going to be there for the NRA. And if you signed up as an NRA member, you got an autographed silver bullet from Charlton Heston. I want to get his autograph because I love yeah. the Planet of the Apes. So oh, I yeah. go to the NRA to try to sign up to get an autograph. I'm like, you're a kid. <laughs> like, it was the 90s. They didn't want kids having guns yet. So I was yeah. like, all right, fine. <laughs> so yeah. then I was like, he's here somewhere. So I'm walking around this gun, like, huge, like, it's like two miles of just gun vendors and, like, people shooting with, like, horse carriages taking people around. I'm walking around with my uncle's Navy jacket on from, like, Vietnam in my camouflage hat looking like a Michigan militia with a Planet <laughs> of the Apes style in my hand looking <laughs> for Charlton Heston. And then finally, because I didn't really know what he looked like. I was like, I don't know what old people look like. Right. And my mom goes, you know, you know what he looked like in the 1960s. <laughs> exactly. And my mom goes, Carl, there's, he, there he is, like, in a golf cart driving by, flanked by security. <laughs> And she's like, go. And I start running towards them. Security goes, no, stop. Like, so I stop. My mom goes, go. And so I'm like, mom said, go. And I chased him for probably a quarter mile. And then wow. he finally stopped. Like, they all got out. Like, I was surrounded. And then he like came over. He signed it, said, good luck, kid. Took a picture with me. And then that was it. The next day, that picture of me with Charlton Heston was up for sale at the NRA booth. It's like a promo photo, and it's actually in an NRA magazine from that like month. Oh my gosh, it's insane! I, my uncle has a copy of the photo. I'll see if I can find it and show it. Yeah, to I'd you. love to. I'd love to see that if you could send that to me. Uh, so yeah, you... I've officially met two members of Tombstone: him and Billy Bob Thornton. Well, I got to ask about that in a second, but uh, the uh, do you still have the signed Planet of the Apes doll? No, when he died, I sold it for three hundred dollars. <laughs> Oh, okay. Because yeah. I was like, I was a kid, and uh, I was like, man, three hundred dollars be a lot of money on eBay. Like, there's no certificate of authenticity. I just had it. It wasn't even his character. It was a doll of Cornelius. Oh, okay. but like it yeah. sold. But Roddy McDowell wasn't around to sign that, so you had you settled for the it's, second best. I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an amazing story that you're an accidental NRA spokesperson <laughs> yeah. uh, at 11 years old. Um, so what's the story with Billy Bob Thornton? How did you, how did that you was know? not as special. That was just uh, his was it a band. concert. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. His band, the box masters came to town and uh, it was the same time as Def Leppard. And oh, uh, cool. yeah. So I didn't go to Def Leppard, went to the box masters, which was his band instead. And I went by myself uh, I just love music but by myself in the front row. And then uh, like they perform the first half of their set in like suits, kind of doing doo-wop. And then they go off stage for like 20 minutes for a intermission and they come back out as like a metal band type of thing. Kind of still doing kind of old 50s classics, but in like a harder version. Well, anyway, yeah. they had their set list on the stage. And I was like, like I asked one of the brothers, like, hey, can I get that? And they tore it off and they gave it to me during the intermission. Well, and then like Billy Bob comes out during the intermission, and, like he's walking around on stage and he's looking for the set list. He sees I have it. So then he like came down to me and like talked for a minute and he was like basically kind of gave me some shit for having it, but also he was like <laughs> fucking with me because like it they didn't need it anymore. So yeah. then like he like shook my hand, signed it, offered me a beer, and then went backstage. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, I didn't sick. take the beer because I was underage. But <laughs> I was like, oh well. Right. <laughs> That's so cool. I got to say, this is a podcast first. I don't think anybody here has ever met two of the actors from the movie we're talking about. So <laughs> that, yeah. that is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, dude. I, I, the, the only other thing I wanted to mention is uh, a probably a perfect end credits sequence um, where it's just rolling the credits over our four guys again so Wyatt and Virgil and Morgan and Doc just walking like just yeah. just knowing this is a badass scene of them walking through the town and the music is booming and it's just it's one of those things I you know I watched this on Blu-ray 
a few days ago and I just had to sit there and watch the credits. Like I just had to take in that whole thing because it's the perfect feeling to end on after watching that movie. And especially after, you know, half of those characters are dead now, uh, it just kind of takes you back to that glorious moment when they were just walking to the gunfight at the OK Corral. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, great. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about the movie before I get to the, uh, before I get to the letterbox reviews? Not really. I mean, I think we covered, I mean, there's so much we could keep talking. Cause just like, we just go through this thing scene by scene. Cause everything yeah. is so fucking cool. The cast alone, like you said earlier is just insanely stacked. Like, and no, it's just a phenomenal. I think it's a great phenomenal movie and that's just like a dude movie, but still. Yeah. It's one of the ultimate like dad movies, I call them, you know, or it's like yep. your dad loves it, but you can love it too and you can bond over it. Uh, it's uh, the one thing I also was going to mention is um, I think something that kind of got better for me over time. The first time I watched it, I remember it kind of fell short with me where I felt like the movie peaks at the gunfight at the OK Corral. But then I felt like the climax was just mostly a lot of like uh, um, montages and the first time I watched it, that's how I felt like the ending kind of let me down. But watching it again the other day, it kind of clicked for me. And I realized, like, no, the climax of the movie is the standoff between Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo. Yeah. Like, were they two the feet fact, apart? <laughs> yes. The fact that they give that climax to Doc Holliday and uh, just this very personal vendetta between these two guys. Yeah, they're two feet apart. It's a classic yep. Western showdown where it's just who's the faster draw, you know? Yeah. And then it ends with him shooting Johnny Ringo through the bottom of his head. It looks like he shoots him through the bottom of his head and it comes out the top. Out the top, yeah. With yeah. his offhand holster, too. Which, <laughs> yes. that's... I mean, he shows up, he takes Wyatt's badge. <laughs> yes. So it's legal. And then, yeah, says, I'm your Huckleberry. And then somehow kills him before Wyatt, who took off before him. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like my hypocrisy only goes so far. <laughs> Mortally ill Doc Holiday beat him there. And then uh yeah, the, the entrance from the shadows where Johnny Ringo thinks he's Wyatt. Yep. And then he goes, I'll, I'm your Huckleberry, and you see the smoke from his cigar and he just walks out of the shadows. Yeah. It's so one, perfect. Yeah. There's go one ahead. thing I want to I gotta rewatch it again because uh because Doc had like TB, like tuberculosis. And uh, I just beat Red Dead Redemption 2, and your character in that game has tuberculosis as well. Mm. And he dies from it. And they say to be in dry areas. So I'm wondering, I want to go back and watch if they kind of took into effect how, like, when it was raining and shit, if that's what made Doc feel worse. Yeah, I wonder. Because they do. Robert Mitchum at the beginning mentions that Doc Holliday moved out to Tombstone because yeah. he thought the drier areas would help him so that maybe the precipitation ended up killing that's him. just a small thought i had yesterday when i was like finishing it i was like shit i wonder if that was a yeah little nod to it but damn dude you're just gonna have to watch tombstone again <laughs> i don't care Sucks. <laughs> yeah yeah uh but no i always love that the like now i love the that climax of that it is just two guys and it's yeah. so brutal and the fact that he gets shot through the head and he's just like stumbling around for a little while before he falls and dies you know oh and doc's just taunting him <laughs> yeah just like come on yeah you're uh, no daisy <laughs> <laughs> i also love before that when he realizes it's the doc you can tell ringo's scared he's just oh, like yeah he's like doc no my, my quarrel's not with you like he's just <laughs> yeah. trying to like not get to oh. shoot out with him because he knows he doesn't stand a chance well it's just such a great callback to the scene where ringo's drunk after the okay corral and yeah. he's like, I want your blood. And then, like, Doc walks up from getting his beard shaved and, like, has his pistol behind his back all ready to go. And he's yeah. like, I'm your Huckleberry, just, like, wanting to kill Ringo. And, like, yeah. like this was his chance, finally. And, and there's a great feeling there, too, about it, it kind of falls in line with a lot of the classic Westerns, like, movies like The Searchers, um, and and are unforgiven even in some of the later kind of ones is like this idea that the West had to be gentrified on the shoulders of men that we couldn't allow into society. Like Doc Holliday is a man who's too dirty and too 
you know, too much of a troublemaker to actually exist in society. So he needed to die and go away with the times, but we needed him to, to do our yeah. dirty work for us. You know, we needed him to kill Johnny Ringo. We needed people like that to be able to clean up the trash, basically to be able to progress. But at the same time, when we progressed, we couldn't allow those guys to be part of the society that was progressing past them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like John Rambo. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Rambo, dude. He loves his country, but his country doesn't love him. Exactly. So uh, I pulled up some half star reviews. Uh, All right. Letterbox out of five. Um, there's a really funny. There's a funny uh, theme that runs through some of these. I'll see if you can notice what it is. Half star. I've only given this movie so many chances because it's my mom's favorite film. God knows why. Tombstone, more like snooze zone. Most boring movie I've ever seen. I've yet to see this movie in its entirety because I fall asleep every time. That is honestly something I could never understand in my life. Yeah. Like, how could you be bored (laughs) by this movie? Yeah, you just have to be a piece of shit person. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah you're no daisy if you write that <laughs> you saw you saw a, a wedding party get shot up at the beginning and just went eh. <laughs> yeah but when it happens at game of thrones you're like oh right right dude it needs to be swords not guns yeah. uh my the next review half star my mom has played this movie twenty seven thousand three hundred ninety three times i'm tired uh and then the next one says so boring i got nothing out of watching it tragic day for my father i think it's so funny these are all people that got forced to watch this by their parents <laughs> yeah that's because like that's basically how i got into it too like my watching it with my dad and it's yeah, like yeah. i loved it i think it's the generation you know people raised on tiktoks yep uh and then the last one i just thought was funny hallmark but violent <laughs> <laughs> that's actually perfect yeah that's, that's actually, like a perfect description yeah I, I, you could put that in a five-star review of the movie honestly I don't yeah <laughs> all right man uh well thank you for doing this i really appreciate it oh yeah thanks for having yeah. me thanks for thanks for picking this movie it was fun rewatching. it's one of those movies like i'll come back to every like five years or something and i and i like that it gave me an excuse to watch it again and just oh, remind yeah. myself like tombstone rocks so yep. um oh. Do you have anything to plug? Anything coming up at all? Uh, not really. Uh, if you, I have shows, but I don't know them right now. Just uh, if you can follow my Instagram at Carl Sobel Comedy, and then I post my stuff there. Cool. But yeah, that's about right. it. Bartending with Carl is coming back, so that'll be fun. Oh, sick! So okay, I got like a list, like thirty drinks already today. I got to make, so it'll be fun. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Were were you ever a bartender? No, like, no. You, you I just trained like, yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've bartended like some like Polish halls here and there, but like never yeah. like anything where I was like making cocktails. But yeah, no, so at home ch- is when I can just do do it at home. That's awesome. You're kind of challenging yourself on purpose, then. Like, I'm like, just uh, enabling my alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fine, man. We all yeah. have to. For content. <laughs> we're, we're in comedy. Yeah. <laughs>